Hey everyone, welcome back to the Ryan Nile Show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Ryan Nile Show. Thank you for being here on the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Alex Manzi and Alex Reeds to, to check in. As you may know, Alex Manzi and Alex Reeds are podcasters and host In the Moment with Alex Manzi and Time to Talk with Alex Reeds. You may have heard a couple episodes from us in the past where we come together and create this safe space to discuss topics such as what we're going to be getting into today. It's been a really difficult couple of weeks since the the murder of George Floyd and experiencing this latest wave of Black Lives Matter. So we jump into a conversation to discuss that with no real plan, but just to check in with each other to discuss our experiences, to hear the different perspectives. Um, Alex Reeds and I are black men and Alex Manzi is a white man. And it was interesting to have this first discussion between us three in this what we call safe space, specifically about race and racism because this is something that you know we don't normally engage upon and um, it was an amazing opportunity to discuss this in such an open way so please do listen through to the end there's so much great stuff in this conversation that I think will help I have been covering this the last couple of weeks um, daily on my show on Instagram so if you're not already tuning into that um, do follow me on instagram.com slash ryan.nile.show Monday to Friday from 8pm And the show really serves to be a room to discuss these kinds of topics that really resonate with us and the world. Please do join us from 8pm Monday to Friday on Instagram Live. Have your say. It's a more interactive form of the podcast. I invite people on to to talk about what they're feeling. Um, I invite experts on. And it's the TV show companion to the podcast. So make sure you're following there and sharing with everyone you know. For now, let's get into this conversation about race and racism with Alex Manzi and Alex Reeds. Boys, how you doing? Doing good, man. How are yeah. you? I'm good, Reeds. Good as can be, as good as can be. Yeah, right. that's, that's so, probably a more accurate description. Yeah, so let, <laughs> let's let's start, I think, with a mental and emotional health check. Mm. How are you boys doing those areas? Mm exhausted man um, um well go on should i go first or you go first Reece? as you can see i'm burning sage literally burning Excuse sage me. absolutely mm. okay go on ryan yeah um as of right now this second um i'm feeling i'm feeling good i'm feeling energetic um like i'm more in my normal state of being than than i have been in the last 10 days or so Mm-hmm. so in that respect i'm feeling good but the lagging feeling from just like the last um week or so it's been it's been very difficult man um and it's been hard to 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 focus on any one particular thing it's been hard to 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 kind of get to the state that i'm in right now where i feel more like an individual um and it's just hard being part of this global conversation Mm. and 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 by default of uh, who i am and my heritage and what i look like it's almost like being cast in like one of the starring roles in that Mm. and you just don't have an option not to engage with it from every single angle like there's just no escape so um mentally uh i'd say exhausted but also um armored I don't know if that's the right word, but I feel like I built up a resilience from 
from this week, um, like been kind of hit sideways and then had to find some sort of balance. Um, so that's where I am um, mentally, emotionally, <laughs> all over the place, um, all over the place. Uh, it's it's really tough because at any moment, um, as we've seen over the last 10 days since, um, you know, George Floyd's murder, um, uh, it's so, there's so much triggering traumatic uh, images and stories and accounts and um, words and tweets and everything. It's just like exposed wounds everywhere. And mm. all of this as well in, in a time where we're in a global pandemic um, on top of it, it just adds like fuel to the fire. And um, it's a lot. It's a lot. That's, 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 what, that's what I'd say. How about you, Reeds? Um. So this week has been um a really tough one. Um, started off pretty intense on my part, basically just because I was kind of struggling with um, a lot of the content I was seeing online, mm. um, and I was just struggling with my own content. Um, I didn't. It was at a point where I was just like, you know what, I just don't even feel like there's any point continuing. Uh, I felt a bit hopeless. <clears throat> Didn't stay there for long. It was pretty much a 12-hour thing that I just kind of slept off. But, um, yeah, man, it's been a very weird and strange kind of time, right? Um, the, the pandemic then, like, mired by this whole global outrage that is happening right now. We say global, we say Western outrage that's happening right now. And um, yeah, I just feel, I just feel really displaced. If I'm going to be honest, I feel displaced. I feel like, I feel calm, but I feel really like just kind of on a very weird plane um mm. in between everything mm. um in between the world and me everything is just a bit like ooh, um kind of my by the fact that i'm not protesting in the street or going out to the protests because there is a pandemic and i'm a bit more and i'm very conflicted with the idea of a large yeah. percentage of black people going into the protest when they should where they, where they should be going Versus the pandemic actually telling you that black people are uh, more prone to catching the disease and dying. Um, so I'm a bit like, and then my mom's immunocompromised too. So it's a bit like, I just don't really want to have to um, do that. It would be kind of irresponsible on my part. But I, what I have been proud about this week is just been seeing all the different funds and all the different things that mm -hmm. have been kind of, that have been happening. Um, Definitely. They've been so informative, uh, inspirational. Um, it inspired me to put together a monthly reading list. It inspired me to um, kind of be a bit more active and engaged on my platform and actually mm. realise the kind of power that we have as this collective of three and others to share the things that we do mm. and do the things that we create you know and um even by like you know you've got ryan you're doing your evening lives and they're really entertaining and Thank then you've you, got you know manzi you're doing your meditations and 
kind of just giving people that space. It's just nice to see the kind of corner of the internet I've kind of like um, created for myself. If it was full of too much info, I think that I would have been over, really overwhelmed this week. But it's, Absolutely. you know, I'm seeing, loads of, I'm seeing all different perspectives. Mm. I'm seeing all Absolutely. of the, um, you know, I'm seeing people working with Black Lives Matter. I'm seeing people doing you know, the Law Collective. Um, a few of my friends are part of that. They're setting up legal Legal wow like really and yeah so they're doing all that having loads of conversations around black writing it's just um it's a very inspirational time um, that's amazing man. inspired me to restart my blog in the way that i wanted to start it so yeah all good like again like this is not new for a mm. lot of black people this is not a oh my god what is this is happening it's a it's happening again. What are we going to do? I don't want to be here in the next 10 years um, saying the exact same thing. Yeah. Oh, when it's when in 2020, this was, I don't want to have to say that again, mm-hmm. to be honest, because we can say it 2010, 11, it was the London riots. After that, it was Trayvon Martin, Ivette Garner, Sandra Bland, Sheku Bayou, all these, all these guys. Um, yeah. It's 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 mad, like the amount of names mm. um that, that can be reeled off both in America and um and the UK and this uh um a consequence of of uh the the times we live in in terms of everything being filmed, everyone having camera phones, everyone being hyper connected, um now and I've so I've spoken about this on my show um a lot and uh, since since the last um you know, the last time we convened yeah. at the start of the lockdown, you know, we've all kind of changed <laughs> the way that we've um, been putting out our content, which is amazing. So, like, since then, I started a, a daily uh, live show. And um, on that, we engage in these current event topics. Um, sometimes it's entertaining. Sometimes it's um, engaging and emotional, um, educational, all of those things. Powerful and, um, stuff. It's powerful yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate that. And um, out, out of that... Um, you know, we've, I've heard so many different perspectives and um, there's a clip, just to your point, um, uh, Reads, there was a clip that uh, we spoke about. Uh, there was a powerful exchange between a 45-year-old um, black man, a 31-year-old and a 16-year-old. And the 45-year-old was angry. He's like, I'm sick of this shit, man. Like, we've been, I've seen this happen. I've, I've done the protesting. We've done the peaceful shit. Like, now, now, that, now we need anarchy. And a 31-year-old's like, no, like we need a better way. Like, I'm angry as well, um, but that that's not going to get us anywhere. And then mm. he's he's bringing the 16 year old into the conversation, and the 16 year old's like, uh, he's saying to them, "Look, this is your future. You're going to be me in 10 years, but we don't want you to get to the what the 45 year old where he's he's just had enough. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it was such a powerful exchange, which happens in many uh, black households between males between like multi generational males um uh, i mean just talking from my my own experience here but um and i and from what i've seen um and what just to, to go back to reed's point like we don't want to be here in 10 years but mm. if hist- if you know you you can look in history and it's likely that we will be um and that's what's that's what's really tough mm. this is really tough but how how you how you um have you been alex Manzi. <laughs> um man uh similar really in terms of like 
like mental health pretty much like good I think there's been a lot of questioning on my own part in terms mm. of like what can I do can I do more could I have done better all of these things should I speak up should I you know is it part is it is it is it my role to be part of that comment you know all those sorts of questions mm. which kind of it does exhaust you mentally yeah and then alongside that emotionally just feeling a lot very deeply because I've got a lot of connections with people with culture with music with work with peers with colleagues you know who who are part of the black community so seeing all of the emotion all the the raw passion the pain of all these posts all these stories all this unfolding mm touches me man like to be honest like it touches me because it's like i i start to feel that myself and it's i want to i want to take that on in a way do you know what i mean like i almost want to take that on to feel it to understand it because i'm never going to fully understand it so yeah man it's really funny but that that reads you mentioned like the meditations in the morning because i had someone message me a couple days ago now saying oh what like you're right you seem really different this morning and I was like why <laughs> like you just you just you were you were like more there was more space it was you were like it was like you were not really with the meditation and I was like well it's really funny because I actually felt like I was really with the meditation because for the previous eight nine days I hadn't really been with it because I was really struggling emotionally mm. and it was funny because this person only joined the meditations like during that eight day period so Interesting. when they noticed the difference, it was also the day that I woke up, like you similarly said earlier, right? Like waking up last couple of days, feeling quite good. And this was on fr- Friday. And then yesterday I woke up feeling really good, great moods, like great meditation, did some reading in the morning, like really like just feeling really good. Like not obviously like great, but like feeling mm. kind of fresh in the morning, nothing in heavy. In the context of the last like 10 days. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then I got a message from uh, my best friend, Joe, and he's like, you're around in 20 minutes to talk. It's quite important. So straight away, I'm like, fuck, shit, like, what's happened? Like, is it like, mm. you know, you know, you're thinking about every possible scenario. And he's phoned me up and we've had, a, you know, we've been friends for 17 years, like best friends for pretty much all that time. And we had our first conversation about race. He's, he's black, you know, he's African oh, wow. family from Nigeria we had our first conversation about race and how he's been feeling what he's been going through how he feels you know i've i've been part of that good and bad how he thinks you know certain experiences that we both shared when we were younger i probably didn't understand from his perspective and you know just like mm. and it was really raw it was really emotional like there was there was tears both sides of the phone it was all from a kind of space of love and mm. it really it really moved me because it, I just thought like, you know, like, wow, like, although I've been, you know, trying to understand and educate myself more, especially over the last kind of like week or so, it just made me think like, why has it taken us so long to have that conversation? Like, why has it taken until now? Maybe, you know, certain part of it is like, now is the right time for us to have it for many reasons that we're both a lot more mature. We're both a lot more understanding of life and everything. And it was just like, 
yeah man it, it rocked me again like massively emotionally yesterday like I was pretty much sitting on a emotional cliff yesterday like throughout the whole day like at any point I could have just teared up like it was mad but it was needed you know it felt it felt very much needed and you know I'm very thankful for Joe for calling me out on stuff and you know likewise for me yeah. to actually have a opportunity to apologize for times where I probably even know and I felt that I didn't you know show up enough for him in times like this you know so yeah like it's been it's been very up and down <laughs> to say absolutely, the least man absolutely um I, I it's a really tough time um but i the, the the good thing that is coming out of it is these awkward painful exchanges that mm. um people are having i've had to have them too um they've come to me and i've had to do mm. them outwardly as well and um it's a weird one because it's like these things it's almost like there's a spotlight on this issue and almost like there's a there's almost a bit of a a slight pressure to like if we don't talk about it now um it might not always be received in the same way because this is part of the global narrative right now isn't it and um yeah it's it's really good to to hear that you know you had that exchange with with your best friend and that's your best friend exactly. like it's this so on the, on the show um the last couple of days i've been exploring the multi layers of what we call racism and mm. it's there's so many layers there's you could put like 20,000 books and each layer is a page that's that's how, that's how deep it goes um and uh i say that because he's your best he's your best friend and mm. i know you both well um and i know that you know what when things are you know when the narrative isn't so much about race and things like that you know we we just connect as individuals of course because we we have similar morals similar um outlooks and things like that and your your best friend although um isn't from exactly the same background as you you'd appreciate his um all the things that makes him different but probably most because you connect as as human beings right and um what's amazing out of all of this is that the conversations that it sparked Mm. and um it's they've been difficult like I've, i've had to call out um uh some things even in myself that i didn't even realize on on the on the show, like biases that come up within the, the, the black community um, mm. and the Caribbean community specifically. Um, and, and this happens everywhere, but it's like, oh, wow, I can't, I can't be saying that this is the, the, that the world needs to be doing the hard work and that the white community needs to be doing the hard work and engaging in these conversations and figuring out where, um, where those unconscious biases lie. Mm. Um, and then I, as as after I've said that, and then I've then engaged in, in conversation where those unbi- um, unconscious biases present themselves within mm-hmm. the Caribbean prison, and I'm like, I need to have a conversation about that. That's the hard work too, and um, yeah, it's um, ultimately it's good. It's 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 hard in the moment, like because you feel that you're going to be um, getting like a combative response from the person that you're you're either calling out or whatever. Um, you know, like we—I don't know if you've seen that clip of the the the, the white girl in America who confronts her parents, um, or uh, her her father. Yeah. Um, you see that one, reads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's kind of backed into a corner with because she's educated and in, in she's informed, and 
she's telling him that uh you know because he's he's saying look i work in i've worked in the ghetto and there are some black people that that come out of that um and become successful so don't tell me about nothing about oppression and all these kind of things and she's she's making a point that yeah they did that despite of the position that they've been put in and she kind of got him into a corner um intellectually to the point where he goes look they're just filthy animals <laughs> and she goes no that's not okay that's not okay how like how dare you you do that and what was amazing is that that's these are conversations that happen behind closed doors yeah and that is a, a little girl talking to her father well, it could be, well, I'm assuming he's a father. Did she say dad? I can't remember. <laughs> um, but that's her authority figure. That's someone that, that she presumably loves. And um, those conversations are hard. Like we all know when we've heard like um, uh, uh, an elder, uh, you know, someone from another generation say something we don't agree with. And mm-hmm. it's the easiest thing to do. And we've all, I've done it is to just laugh it off because you can't be bothered to have that conversation. It's like, oh, this is going to be a two hour debate. I'm going to be the party pooper. Um, the energy yeah. is going to change. And yeah, I just can't be bothered. Like just like, they don't understand. Just let them do what they're doing. Um, but the difference is now what's happening now is we're like, no, we're, we're going to, we're going to engage in these conversations mm-hmm. and everyone's going to hear and everyone's going to listen. Yeah. So, and I think I think that's it, isn't it? It's like by by skipping over those conversations, be it for me with like white friends, you know, with, with friends of color, whatever. It's like nothing's going to change if you just keep skipping past it. Like you have to face up to it. And you know, I, I was having a conversation which partly sparked my post yesterday. That's what I was going to ask, actually, as well as my conversation with Joe yesterday. I was having a conversation with another one of my best friends who's, you know, middle class, white, from London, like me, you know, top of the hierarchy as society's set it up as, right? We couldn't, you couldn't get any further up if you tried, right? And we're having this conversation. And I was like, we have to admit, we have to really admit and acknowledge that we are racist. I was like, we, and there's no getting away from it. We are inherently racist because of the society we've been brought up in, because of the world that's ultimately benefited us, because of everything that we've experienced in our life, we are racist because we have not acknowledged that and acted upon that, knowing that we have that privilege. We've just accepted it and gone with it, Mm. you know, because it benefits us. And we were having that conversation for like two hours and... His girlfriend was there as well at one point and we were talking and we were, you know, she's, she's half Jewish. Me and him were both Italian descent. And, you know, our families have all struggled as well. Like my family coming to London probably came with two pennies to rub, rub together. And they were mm. probably treated as outcasts because they sounded different because they looked a bit different or whatever. But I was like, but fundamentally, no matter those struggles that our family have faced, that we have faced anything that any of us have gone through, None of that has been made harder because of the color of our skin, because of a simple feature of how we look. And that is not fair, you know, and that even comes down to things like healthcare, like how many people. So again, using another friend, like whose mum is in and out of hospital all the time. I was like, I pretty much can guarantee you that if she had 
an English white surname, her treatment and her case would probably be treated with a lot more respect than her having an African surname. Mm. And that's not fair. And it was, yeah, again, a very, you know, moving conversation to try and, you know, we were in agreement, don't get me wrong, we weren't like, you know, I wasn't like having a go. We were in agreement, but there's still so much education on my part that I need to undertake. Education on my friend, even though we were both, you know, very fortunate to grow up with a lot of black friends and, you know, through football and me through, you know, working at One Extra, I've worked alongside, you know, colleagues peers friends i've had so many people on the podcast you know it's i've been very fortunate to like i said have so many connections in in black communities and and similar with my friend you know it's him growing up so we probably a little bit more open-minded and and empathetic to what needs to be done and what needs to be said and how but i just feel like you know as you know middle class white men we we need to do more Mm. And that is a big part of what sparked my post on Saturday, yesterday. Sorry. No, go on, go on. It's a very interesting post that you put when you put it up. Because I did read it and I I respected it because um, a lot of the time, a lot of the time people don't want to understand that. I Mm. think we, I think... We've been the one of the key elements of racism is that everybody's frightened of the word racist, mm-hmm. and um, because it because I think because it casts you in a space of hating black people or hating people of a different religion. Because, or... Yeah, it's because people don't understand it, mm. and they don't understand it. Obviously, obviously, you know everything from the from the bottom upwards um, has dictated how we see racism. And um, whether that be, whether that be, you know, systematically or overtly or covertly, um, everything's been systematically shown to us through the media. We see racism as violent death, mm. or an attack in the street, mm-hmm. yeah. or, a, or an outward um, being, an, or an outward kind of like expression of hatred of anger, of aggression. Mm. And um, I think and it's so funny now to see the penny dropping for mm. a lot of yeah. um, non-black people. Yeah. Especially because I'm, I'm personally becoming a lot more specific when talking about it. I, I was very much this person who because being West Indian, the kind of the general idea of West Indian community is that, especially in Jamaica, the idea is out of many white people. So therefore, yeah. there are white Jamaicans, there are black Jamaicans, there are Asian Jamaicans, Jamaicans, and yeah. so on. And across the across the whole the region, there it's mm-hmm. just a mismatch, a mismatch of different ethnicities. Um, and I think, and I was just like, this is just time for me to stop that because the kind of conversations I'm seeing around um, from the Asian community, from other minority ethnic communities in in contrast to the Black Lives Matter movement, to what's happening now, to the questions around race, I just feel that 
the alienation kind of creeped up. And in the studies that I've been doing, I've been looking a lot into loneliness and I've been looking a lot into what that means for different kind of people. Um, you probably see from my, on my Instagram post about belonging and loneliness and trying to like figure that out. Mm-hmm. And black people in the, black people, especially in the UK, are the, are the loneliest people. Black men are the loneliest people in the UK. They are the unhappiest. And that is kind of shown through a lot of different factors from education to work, economics, um, relationship, like all of this different stuff. This so emotionally, they are just the most unhappy, happy, the unhappiest people. Um, and not to say that black women are better. Mm-hmm. It's just because that. Well, obviously, as black men, they kind of suffer from the men, the the, the men side of it, where they don't express themselves emotionally. Yeah. Right. So understanding that and then seeing a lot everybody starting to talk about this now i'm looking at it and i'm thinking to myself this is all great and all and you know piers morgan's talking about oh yeah everybody like i i I really understood i understand it now um seeing what you're saying and um, i'm seeing a lot of like influences and i'm seeing a lot of people talking about this and all over the news and all sorts and it's just kind of frustrating because for the past 60 years, for the past 100 years, this has been talked about. Mm. This has been explained. And to be black in this country is to be gaslit all the time. Mm. It's to be mm. told, no, that is not the experience. No, that's not what you are doing. No, mm-hmm. that's not what is happening to you. No. I'm sorry you, f- uh, I'm sorry you feel that uh, way. And mm. I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm not racist. I have enter black friend. Yeah. Enter Asian friend enter all of these things and it's just and it, it the re- and that's what I said the reason why it was tough for me this week is because a lot of this stuff began to relive itself um been looking a lot into psychology as well I've been, I've been doing a lot of studying I've been doing a lot into psychology <laughs> as well and um they, when it when a regressive memory comes up the memory that you've put under like like you've tucked away into a cupboard somewhere under the mat that you kind of just suppressed and then it just all comes back up to you and you're like wow and I sat down and I thought to myself the reason I am no longer working within journalism is because of the systematic racism Mm. within the industry that I was working in and Kehinde Andrews had a very interesting conversation with Russell Brand this week Um, he's done two episodes of him but one of the the first episodes that he did this week or last depending um was about racism and the fox and the wolf. And um, you say, you know, the wolf is the person, so if we're going to take a UK context, it's the, it's the black person going to um, West Ham matches or Millwall and they're being, they're being racist, um, you know, throwing bananas at football players, mm. um, shouting in the street, being, you know, like attacked um, in the street racial abuse, et cetera, overtly, I don't want a black guy in my house, sort of thing. That's that's the wolf, that's them bearing their teeth and shouting. Then there's the other part of it, which is the fox. And the foxes are the ones that that present as liberal. Mm. The ones that um, smile in your face and present themselves as people who are there to support you. like and that, that tends to come 
in the form of employers or people who are supposed or are in some degree of control over your product, over your finances, over something, um, you know, just not quite there yet. Mm. Or unfortunately, um, you know, you, you, you're great at what you do, but we're going to go with somebody else this time. Mm, or, you're bringing up so many memories for me right now. Yeah, <laughs> and when I sat down and thought about all of that, I've had to do a lot of processing over the past two to three years about these things anyway. But when I sat down and thought about that and I'm going through all of this stuff now, it is, it's sad. And it makes me completely absolutely upset because mm. as soon as you walk into any sort of any sort of profession any sort of career any sort of environment you are automatically placed with a cap on your potential like me going into me going freelance for like from the beginning of 2019 was one of the most revolutionary acts that any person could have done because it's a risk that a black person would have to take in order for them to just go freelance and then oh, yeah. try to make it work. Because ultimately, especially in the UK, once they have one, they feel like they have them all. Mm. And they won't look elsewhere. They won't look elsewhere. And, um, you know, especially when we start looking in, when I started looking into the wellness community and started looking into people who start speaking about the kind of things that I speak about, the kind of missions that mm. we have as a trio here, and um, the kind of directions we have, it's clear that when it comes to particular things and particular conversations, particular places, like categorically, we're going to be placed differently. If you look a particular way, you're going to be accepted in a particular way. Mm. And um, you're not going to really get a look in to mm. it. I look at my following now over the past two weeks and it's gone up exponentially. And I'm like, I'm not posting any differently. I'm not doing any of these things. But all of a sudden, I'm, having a, I'm getting a lot more, that's how I say it, white, more white people consuming my content, being aware of the content that I'm putting out and whatnot. Yeah. When... Prior to that, it, was, it is a struggle still mm. kind of like maintaining the audience and bringing the audience, but it's just, um, it's, it's, it's been, an, it's been, an, it's been a reminder of how insidious this stuff is. And, Completely, man. Completely. you know, and it's like, it's really challenging sometimes because it's like, well, you've got all of this, you know, like, you know, to be black in here, especially in the UK, like you've got all of this potential. You feel like you've got all of this stuff that you want to do. But then you look around, you look around at say your white counterpart and then you think to yourself um, and you see where they're at and they were exactly the same credentials as you, mm. but they had, they've been managed to navigate in a way that you just can't. Mm. No, and, and, and we, we, that's not a self-limiting belief. Like to think it's a, I'll go yeah. That's not a self-limiting no. belief. That is just literally. It's a fact. Mm. That's literally a fact. That is literally like, because racism has depleted the confidence of so many black people in this country for generations. Like this is a generational thing. And for a lot of people, especially um, I can speak specifically about the West Indian community, but the wider black community, um, a lot of the 
generations ahead of us weren't able to get, to get university education. They were simply just not told that universities were free when they were younger, that it was an option. They were, you know, the generation before that was reeling off the back of the war. <laughs> the generation before yeah. that was reeling off the back of slavery. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's so close. Um, mm. Yeah. What What's like, like, because one of the things that really struck me, right, with my conversation with Joe, and probably, it probably was one of the things that hit the the big nerve was when we were to, I was I was asking him how he how he is how he feels and he's like brother I'm just exhausted and he's like and I I I can't be I almost can't be bothered to deal with this but he was like yep. I don't have a choice and I don't I don't have that choice every day when I step out of the house mm-hmm. I have to face up to this shit every day every minute every hour of my waking day when I'm outside the house. Mm. Every, day. It, every day. And I just thought, fuck. Mm. Like, Manzi, I wrote this in my blog today. Um, I was 19 when the London riots happened. Mm. Um, and Mark Duggan's face was plastered all over the internet, the news. And the mini the media manipulation of mm. his life was called to question. I was twenty. Even that image. Yeah, the image. Even that he image. was holding his daughter's thing and it was cropped yeah. up. Yeah. Um that um I was twenty when Trayvon Martin was killed. Mm-hmm. I was scared to go outside. I had to go outside to get food and stuff, but if he could walk down the street and try and buy skittles and and literally go get skittles come home and not make it home Mm. i've experienced racism in spain i've experienced racism in france i've experienced racism in germany i've experienced racism in morocco i've experienced racism across the world i can't just up and go anywhere Mm. because i'm scared of going places um because you have to be ultra aware and that's why it's exhausting it's because you are looking over your neck, over your shoulder all the time. You are wondering what people are thinking about you. You're wondering if they're, when they're looking at you and they're speaking to you in your face, what are they actually thinking or what are they actually thinking that you do? Are they, whether it be that, oh, I'm frightened of this person that I don't know, or whether it's the, brazen lack of boundaries that they can just walk in and say, ask you where are you where are you from it's exhausting it's, it's exhausting man it is um and uh you know i started this conversation about kind of wanting to get back to like a semi sense of like individualism and and normality but the the sad fact is that even in our normal um exactly. it's a it's a mirage it's it's you know <clears throat> it's um this this is the everyday thing and um it's the what they call microaggressions which i don't even think is the correct term but it's it's all these things that happen and it's the the thought process that we have to go through like what um reeds was saying like um you're always thinking like two three four steps ahead like okay how can this escalate if it does escalate how am i going to be perceived in this situation what do i say what are my rights blah 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 all of that and it just it's so exhausting and um you know, yeah, like you go through situations and those those permutations don't happen all the time. 
but then you're in the next situation and there's more and um sometimes it just hits you out of nowhere as well like for example um in my day job i um i market and run um business centers like office office space mm. and in the one that i am based in um there's a there's security got there's security doors before you go in and there was a new client that um hadn't seen me and had moved in or a new employee from another business or whatever and um he had used his fob and then i walked in um behind and he stopped me at reception and he's like um who are you i was like uh who are you he goes oh i've just started here um but you you can't read no one should really be walking in behind i was like um i run this place <laughs> and it's fine don't worry the the, the center manager is also there um it's called cool. he's like oh 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 um uh you know it was just i've only just started here and like the, my 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 other building i used to work at it was like strictly prohibited i was like don't worry about it like we've got it covered it's cool and he goes about his business but then i've got to sit and unpack that for the mm. rest of my day have another conversation with my colleague a center manager who's also um who's also black a black um lady and then we then have to unpack all more trauma about how many times these things happen mm. and how that wouldn't happen if it was another one of our colleagues and this is just a constant thing it's a constant thing and it's exhausting and then you know this happens at a time where we're all exhausted through the pandemic through being in lockdown through not being to engage in any sorts of normality and then normality even um and then it's like adding salt into a wound where even in lockdown the worst can happen disproportionately mm. to to black people systematically the covid law has given the police more powers to stop people that they think mm. have COVID. Mm. More black people are detained under the Mental Health Act 1983 under Section 126 because they are seem to be mentally unstable. Do you know what I'm saying? That is the that is what they tend to do. Do you know what I'm saying? They will yeah. arrest you under one thing and then change the reason why they've arrested you yeah. to fit the act so that then you can be detained and held. More people are, so. are detained under that. And when you give the police and give people that are supposed to be protecting us more powers to do that, mm. just, I just want it all to burn. Mm. It's crazy, man. It's crazy because you see, so I'm, I've been, I've, I've, been on the on the on the end of this as well but you see so much videos of um even like within the last couple of weeks and like exactly what you're saying reads of um the new powers to kind of uh exercise those unconscious biases or even they might even be conscious but um you know oh what are you doing here mate uh just come to see my friends um yeah but uh you shouldn't really be out um even though the laws have changed around that uh, mm. or the guidance has changed around that um well anyway look this is just about this you know with all the covid the, the covid stuff you you shouldn't really be you shouldn't really be here and actually i've got i've got um reason to believe that uh you know you fit a description and uh, you could be you could be transporting drugs within this vehicle and this particular video that i saw was an off-duty ambulance driver mm. and he's filming it so again this is one thing so as soon as you're engaging with police you're like oh shit i need to film this that's one mm. pressure secondly you have to know exactly what to say you have to be intellectual you have to be kind all yeah. of that um and then beyond that 
but even when you're doing that, which he was, she started grips him, grips in his arm and stuff, and he's like, "Don't, don't grips my arm." Blah blah blah. Then, oh, no, so you're 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 displaying aggressive mm, behavior. Yeah. Stop resisting. You're actually assaulting me, though. Mad. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like you can you can assault somebody, you can antagonize them, and then you want to um, criminalize them for being aggressive, which any for human responding being, to what you're you're exactly, giving. Yeah. Which, yeah. And then we see other videos of overtly. Uh, aggressive behavior from a uh, civilian towards uh, an authority mm. and you just don't see that consistency like you don't see that same behavior and then it's just like that becomes normal for us that's just normal and it's just like that's what we've that's what we navigate um, yeah. that's what we've been navigating that's that's what we've been um born into and mm. um but that's what struck me about your post just to bring it back as well to what you what we was um talking about um and I don't know if you want to, because obviously people listening um, won't have heard it. Um, but you posted the image says it's a privilege to edu- educate yourself about racism instead of experiencing it. Mm. And um, this is exactly what we're talking about. And in your, I mean, I won't read it all out, but the um, uh, the crux of it is I'm standing up and admitting as a white person that I am racist. And then you list all the reasons as to why, and it unpacks that it's not necessarily what you what like what you was describing before that it's not this always this overtly idea of what racism is um it's the structure and it's the privilege that people exactly. are born into that they don't trying to change the the default you know um it's even when you turn on the tv like um and just look at what's what's the default <laughs> look yeah. at what the, what the default yeah. is and how normalized yeah, that you know, is. Go on, go on, finish what you're saying. Yeah. I've got a point to add to that. Just how normalized that is to the point where that's normal. Um yeah. is is crazy considering we're in twenty twenty, considering we know what the population of, of Earth comprises of. And there's that's what makes the world beautiful because we've got so many cultures, so many backgrounds, so many yeah. um things. And there are, you know, I mean you do you do see variants, but mm. even like you were talking about um, Piers Morgan earlier on in the week, and uh, sorry earlier on in, um, in the conversation, but earlier on in the week, he and four other white male journalists were talking about oh, yeah, how that can one, that was one conversation, yeah, yeah, how can um, you know there be we can be in this global pandemic, um, there's this global uh, conversation around um, race. And uh, there's Black Lives Matter protests that have been happening in America. But the day it reaches our city, London, the newspapers and the media run with a story of um, Madeleine McCann. Mm. And they said, if that was a little black girl, would it have got the coverage? And they all said, sadly, no, no they can't imagine that. And that's part of the problem. And, they, and one of them even said, this is part of the problem. We're having this conversation. There's five white male journalists having yeah. this conversation. Um, we're part of the problem, but the, and, and while that's good to see, there needs to be work that we don't see, like that that then shouldn't happen again. Do you know what I mean? Like there needs to be so much stuff behind the scenes and change behind the scenes because there are a lot of anecdotal, um, uh, virtual signaling uh, things happening at the moment, and people are being. What's amazing is that. <laughs> what's amazing is that even within this trauma and this hurt and that we are all exhausted that there's a fight there as well because people are calling out these brands 
mm. and asking questions. It's like, well, you just posted that. All right, how many black people you got this doing this? How many black women, etc. And people that have worked there as well or do work there, risking their livelihood. Like, it's a lot. It's a lot. We've been um, put into a position where it's like, oh, flip, man. I was doing all right, you know. Like, I was just trying to get get by. But now I've got to bring this global conversation into my my livelihood and mm. some people have had to leave that well they've decided to leave their jobs because their colleagues are posting on their socials all lives all lives matter and stuff mm. and they're the only black person in the in the in the workplace and it's like there's just so much to unpack what was going to say yeah John Boyega John even said I don't even know if I'm going to have a job yeah exactly three after this but then Jordan mm. Peele tweeted I, we, I've got you, you. I've got yeah. you so I, that was a bit I was like but you know I what, didn't even like, see that that was that was powerful to me because i that, was like mm. i'm so glad that this is an that is, this is a global mm. there's global eyes on it because yep. yeah but that but that that speech from john boyega in high park was i mean i was in tears for about 10 minutes after watching that wow even thinking about it now, I can feel them coming back because it was just like the raw emotion, the raw pain, the passion in what he's saying and how he's saying it and how he's just, you know, he's had to work so hard clearly because of the way he looks to get to mm-hmm. a place where he is with his career. Absolutely. And, and to get to so just to finish my point, but to get yeah. to to get to the point where he's literally in that speech, and he breaks down in tears to address mm. black men and black women, yeah. And there's people around him go, "Come on, John, you've got this, you've got this." Mm. And he ends on the message of, "Do you know what? I don't even know if I'm going to have a career, but this is more important than everything I've worked for for my entire life. So Absolutely. fuck it, I'm mm-hmm. going for it." That moment there was like the moment. That that moment there, I hope in many years to come will be looked back on as a iconic moment. And it was just the most like like I don't know. That was the moment where I just went. I was yeah. like, oh my god, I can't hold yeah. it together. And do you know why that's powerful? Those tears that you cried are tears that we've cried for so long. Exactly. Tears that I've had to come back home exactly. after a day of work after two panic attacks and just cry, wake up halfway through the middle of the night. My gut is in pain and I'm wailing, crying, waking up out of my sleep. And so watching it, I was like, all I can do is empathize. Because mm-hmm. literally, you know, the fear of not being able to work after you say what you, after you say, after you call out what's right or what's wrong. Yeah the power of having of being able to if we if we do this like John Biega if we're gonna just stick on him for just a bit. Yeah yeah John Biega put a video up like a while back of him buying his parents a house. Mm. I have only ever seen these things happen with black actors or black kind of entertainers who have to kind of then who meet who get to a modicum of success mm. and then have to and then give back the Scotty Pippen stuff from The Last Dance. The idea that he took a bum deal <laughs> but was supporting his dad, his mum and his brother 
all the way. It's a burden you have to carry because they're because we do not have generational wealth mm-hmm. passed down mm-hmm. through to us. That's it. The privilege. They call it, um, the, the Americans the, call it the black tax, don't they? The black tax. Mm. The privilege to. The privilege to. Right. I didn't. I got to eighteen. Didn't know whether I wanted to go to uni or not. My dad was like, "That you either you either work." Or you go. Mm. Yeah. I never had the privilege to sit and think. Never had the privilege to go and spend a year um, traveling. Traveling. Never had the privilege to go and spend a year, probably even just interning at a magazine or something. Never had the privilege to do any of those things because we don't have time for that. (laughs) The idea is that you get your education, no matter what education is, you get your education and you have to go through all of that stuff, which then keeps us in this systematic loop of mm. actually not able to kind of have agency for ourselves all the way through up until we get to graduation. And then we can take agency for ourselves and we even come out of the university. I think I'm speaking for myself particularly, but come out of university and not even, spe- not even specifically know where we want to be after that. Because and even if you even from, if you do know, yeah, even if you do know whether four, yeah. we are mm. system, we are systematically guided and sent all the way through to twenty five or twenty four, mm. mm. and then when we come out of it, we we realize that we realize a lot about life in a, a sense, and it's just beginning. The fact it's of the crazy. matter is, mm. you know. I've got to go on a diversity scheme to get into something that everybody can read, the media. I've got to yeah. go into a diversity scheme to get into a bank. I've got to go into a diversity scheme to get into law. I've got to go into a diversity scheme to do all that stuff. That's just, the, that's even because the conventional route won't won't see you. Yeah, right, yeah. Yep. And then yep. when you do yep. go in on a diversity scheme, they're looking at you. Like, oh, where did you, where, like, why are you here? Oh, I did X, Y, and Z. Oh, that's why you're here. Mm. It's a consistent, consistent, thing. and even, do you yeah. know what? Even even when you're in in a job and stuff like that, there's these uh, you know the the coded language and stuff like that. And people people mean to come from the right place. Like I've had I've had um, conversations with um, with higher ups that have consisted of um, so how I'm just trying to I'm just trying to understand how did you make it out of like Get where, you, where you basically yeah where you want where you are to, to how was the are. hood <laughs> basically yeah like how did you navigate that and i understand i kind of understand like mm. what like the intent the intent is naive but it's just like i'm at work why do i have to unpack all this trauma like yeah. just let me do my job man like it's crazy um we don't we, we don't really know you we don't really we don't really we don't really know you you know you're gonna come yeah, to the pub on Friday. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely Leave me not. alone. But, I'm um, home. <laughs> I'm I'm come to work. But um, what you were saying about, you know, getting to 18, for example, like for me, in my experience, um, it's, it's, I mean, there's so much to unpack, but um, I was sent to different schools to like my, my older brother, which mm-hmm. is an interesting experience in, um, in itself. And um, I was always the, you know, part of a, a, a minority within the, the school from both a uh, color perspective but also a um a, like a class perspective as well mm. and um i always knew it because you know you go to your friend's house and you'd be like oh raw okay uh <laughs> this is not 
like what we're used to kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really hit when when it really hit when we turned like 17, 18. And then you really see where the, the, the privilege kicks in. And it's like because up to a certain point, um, you see variants in terms of like what people are wearing and things like that. It's kind of surface level stuff, mm. pretty much. Um, there, I mean, obviously, there's like uh, emotional differences and things you go through in school and how you're treated. I remember being taken out of assembly because I had a pattern in my hair, and oh, they said, much. "Oh, what, what is that daft haircut?" And I'm like, "Anyway, that's another story." But um, yeah. when you get to like when I got to 18, and I started to see, oh shit, that person's automatically got a car, or they're in this in this good job, and then they've all they've got all of these things and i'm like where's where's ours so then i had those conversations right oh so mom and dad you must have savings for me then innit and i was like no like we this this is this is what we've got i'm like okay so you know i mean i've worked since i was 14 years old mm. um it was it um, i mean me and my yeah. best friend got a got a job at Burger King illegally because I don't think you're supposed to hire. Yeah, you can't, you can't work at fourteen. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was a little under the table brown envelope thing. Very uh, much. Three pound, three pound nineteen an hour. We got. That's, that's even um, good for under for fourteen. <laughs> trust me, in it. And we worked there throughout <laughs> doing our like GCSEs and stuff. And I've always worked since. And um, everything, just to go back to what you're saying, reads like the norm. The, the what is normal to me is for everything to be an uphill battle. Mm. Uh, that is just fight. it's just like work it's a fight everything is a fight. 16 whenever <laughs> yeah everything is a fight and um it's it's yeah it's just really difficult um in so many different ways and again there's so many different layers to it um but yeah i mean what's even good is that we haven't had this conversation between mm. all of us you know, and and we're we're focusing on that now, and even like the dynamics between us all is amazing. Um, you know, this this has become a safe space um, for us all. Like even in our WhatsApp group, you know, yeah, we all sure. just bounce ideas and thoughts and stuff off of each mm-hmm. other, and that's been amazing. And checking um, in with but, each but other as well a lot. Checking into each other with, with each and, other and, and Ryan moving mad. That's fine. Yeah, it's crazy. So. Um, yeah, man, that's that's been good. But what what was interesting about what you're saying about John Boyega uh, and everything that we've seen? Because um, I'm quite an emotional person, and when I see things that really move me, it does move me to tears. But nothing that I've seen in the last ten days, as traumatic as it has, has moved me to tears. And that's telling. Just over it. That's telling. <laughs> that's telling mm. because it's it's become normal. It's become normal. It's like. I've seen so many things that have outraged me that I wanted to re- reply to and uh, things that are really upsetting, but it hasn't got me to that point. It's just like, it's almost like being a soldier and then not being affected by death anymore, you yeah. know? Um, and that's that's a problem. Yeah, and I think I, that, that uh, that's what got me so much emotionally was it wasn't so much being like, I'm part of the pro- like the problem. It's like, I am the problem. And it was that realization, which is just like <coughs> tough, you know, because it's like mm. it's hard to admit that, you know, it's really it's fucking like, hard. And it's, it's like it, sh- it it shouldn't be like it should be, I should like in in a way I shouldn't have to admit that because it shouldn't be a like there shouldn't be a problem, right? It, right. Do you know right, what I mean? It's exactly. like 
Yeah. So admitting it when everything in terms of my life is normal, like, you know, realistically, you know, and I hope I'm not saying this out of turn, but I'm saying this from a place of love, obviously, like my life isn't going to be changed by any of this. And that's the reality of the situation. But that is what makes me the problem. Right. People like me the problem because my life is not the the life that is going to be changed from this. My life will Mm. go about the same way, no matter, right? Right. As it always has. Because I'm ha- I haven't had to face all of these things. You guys have just, you know, so, I mean, you, broken you down. Get the, you get the choice further. To, to, you get to, you get the choice for your life to change after exactly. this moment. You get the choice to do that. We have to wait for that change to happen. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Or we mm. go out and we try to enforce that to happen. Mm-hmm. And there was a video that was put out earlier, um, I don't, earlier this week of a black woman um, and she was talking about, and they were saying, oh, why are you looting and burning down your own neighborhood? Don't burn down mm-hmm. your own buildings. We have celebrities saying, don't do that, blah, 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 blah. Um, we need to organize X, Y, and Z, BS. They need to just either get on the street and march and do what they have to do with the, with the community or be quiet. And mm-hmm. the woman was like, look, at the end of the day, none of this is ours. Like none of this is ours. There was a social contract which said that we are a part of this community, we're a part of this society that allows us to then operate in this world as humans and human beings and equal citizens mm-hmm. under law, right? That has not been upheld. So at the end of the day, they want, they're burning the buildings down. The buildings aren't mm. theirs. These are multi-million dollar mm. businesses. The buildings aren't theirs. And I think she's ended with a very powerful phrase. She's like, you're lucky that black people only want equality and not revenge. Mm. That yeah. is something that I, 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 I closed my, I, I got up and walked away. Cause I was like, look, at the end of the day, if it was revenge that would be what I've done, this would be a pro- this this would be chaos like real the, the cities chaos. would be in sm- the cities would be up in smoke yeah because that that's and another there thing. Is a, there was a faction of people who do want revenge mm, you that's know, right yeah. it will, and it will boil it up to that point it will get to that point and Mate. if if things aren't if actions aren't taken for things to change and I'll come to back to you Manzi, in very sec in a minute but just to add to everything. I never forget when I watched this, I forgot what the film was, I can't remember what it was, but it, it was one of those American gangster films. It might be American gangster, it might not be, but there was something. Um, and there was somebody was talking at the beginning, they were on a golf course. I don't know if you guys remember, I don't know if you guys have seen a film like this, but they're on a golf course and he's, and one guy's explaining, what's the book? What's the, anyway, one guy's explaining about um, the kind of the process that, that, my, that people in America have to go through. Um, obviously, he has white people at the top, but um, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants top. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was basically like, yeah, he was reading through it, and he basically was like, you know, we, then we have the, uh, we have the, you know, the white gangsters, but the white gangsters, they work in the corporations, they work in mm. the businesses, and they operate systematically, and then they kind of like trickle down economics, and they kind of push and move things to happen in the, in the way, hire who they want, buy who they want, politically engage, all of these different things. Then you have the Irish Americans who fit in, kind of like, you know, they can kind of like go that way, this way, but they, they present their own kind of economies. They're kind of just like 
they're Catholic, obviously, but they have a particular element of uh, understanding in their in their community. They can kind of pass and move through, uh, and they build their own mobs. <laughs> they got the Irish mobs and whatnot, um, which kind of like kind of moves and operates in a renegade way. Then you've got the Italians, who again are white, but they are obviously they have they have the difference of language and culture, mm-hmm. but they have operated within America that kind of allows them to have gangs, legitimate gangs, <laughs> legitimate, the mafia, allows them to have legitimate gangs in the mafia in, the, in, the, in America and survive as a society. And people mm. just kind of, in a way, accept that as something that is happening. So you've got, true, you've got yeah. three kinds of white people in a triangle. You've got the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, you have the you have Irish Americans, and you have Italian Americans. Then you trickle down and you have like Latinos, Latinx, African Americans. And then they are literally at the bottom rung. African Americans at the at the very bottom very because they've been under they've been under land for five hundred years and they just and they've been disenfranchised from everything, and that kind of made me think like and that really made me think about a lot because I was like, how does that work? It's like you've got you know you got black people who are persecuted for being in gangs in South Central LA, you know in the South or wherever in New York, Chicago, whatever the whole East West Coast stuff that was happening in hip hop, all of that stuff, but. Mafias were operating in plain sight. <laughs> Irish, you know, Irish gangs were operating in plain sight. Like they were just kind of subverted. Like white Anglo-Saxon Protestants were in the president's office, a, b, in, in companies and business and in politics, and they were operating in plain sight. And it, it just, it kind of just made me aware. So the question I have for you both is: When did you become aware that you were a a white man, Alex? and be a black man, that you became one. Mm. When was that point? Interesting. Um, there's oh, a few man. points. Um, the ones that are coming to mind. Uh, when I was moved from my first primary school to my uh, second primary school, which was um, <laughs> which is a better primary school, but um, <laughs> I was one of a few black kids. And it was only one class per year, which is um, what I've learned is kind of not normal um so 30 kids per year and um i was in school with and I've, i think i've spoke spoke with you both about on um on on our, on our podcast uh but there was definitely a class um divide there in terms of you know like footballers kids and things like that there and um yeah i remember i can't even remember what the incident was but i remember um, my mum and dad are brilliant. Um, they had a jar in our kitchen where they said, listen, if there's anything you want to talk about, write it down and stick it in that jar. And then mm. we'll have a weekly family meeting. We'll go through everything that's in a jar from all of the kids. And there was something in there about, uh, I went through something where I was othered and it, it was, I was made known that I am not from here or, uh, yeah, something like that. And, um, I remember having that conversation with my mum and dad and have, having to unpack my feelings as maybe as, as a six-year-old. And um, and then for my mum and dad to then have to have that meeting with the with the headmaster and for things to to change. And then for my mum to be put in that position with, you know, because, you know, there's always mum politics, right? <laughs> Between different mums and stuff. 
And then for her to be in that position now where she's kind of had to ruffle feathers and then she she was then like ostracized from that group as well. And then from even other black mothers that wanted to kind of be pally pally with people. And um, yeah, that's where I knew that, oh shit, um, yeah, we're not the, the same. Because even like the way we got dropped and picked up from school had to change because of all of this. Because um, there was started to be rifts with people that even lived in our area that would take us to, to school. Um, but didn't want to do that after these incidents because uh, you're not conforming to, you know, mm-hmm. the, the code, like, don't you, don't you realize our kids are going to this good school kind of thing. Um, that was one first day of secondary school as well. Again, moved to a, a, a school, which was, which was predominantly white, um, on the outskirts of, um, of London. And, uh, you had people coming in from East London, you had people coming in from like Essex and, um, yeah, we were definitely other to the point where I remember um, we were playing basketball and they were like, all right, cool. It's going to be the coloreds versus everyone else. And I was like, really? Really? And I remember that that always that always stuck with me. And um, again, it's just like a constant reminder. You can start something new and it's just like, all right, well, this is who you are versus um, versus everyone else. And yeah, just they're the things that pop to mind, but for every every one memory there's probably a hundred ones mm. that are just in my subconscious somewhere <laughs> yeah and i think um hold on let me just check the time it's nine twenty-three. by the way right you need to be off at half past no that's no, all good okay um well, i think for me there's two i've got two answers right because there's for me there's two there's two differences right for me there's a a realization of a difference in class and a difference in color. Mm. And for me, coming from middle-class family, probably like higher end of the middle-class spectrum, if I'm going to be honest, you know, to give some context, like my family had um, a very successful restaurant in central London for many years from like 19... 12 or something until 2006 wow so that put us me growing up in a different class to a lot of people that i knew so one of the things that always sticks out in my mind is going to friend's house in primary school and being like wow this house is really small (laughs) because i was used to my nice four-bedroom house in north london so that that was always one thing that always stuck in my mind is like you know, walking in and it's like the stairs were right there. It was like, for me, it's like you walk in, you sort of go around the corridor and the stairs are there. Like that was a, a big, like, okay, this is different. Why is mm. this different? You know, questioning that, trying to understand that. And then the second one isn't, isn't probably, I wouldn't say necessarily the moment I realized, you know, being a white person versus a black person, but similar to what you were saying, right? It's in secondary school. We used to play football, blacks versus whites. Yeah. And I always remember the thing that I really felt the most guilty about in that whole situation wasn't the difference in me being white and someone else being black. It was the mixed race kids who oh, had yeah, to choose yeah. which team they wanted to play on. Did they want to play for Man. the blacks or did they want to play for the whites? That is deep. And I used to think like, like fucking hell, <laughs> literally like, if they played for the whites, the black kids would disown them. And if they 
played for the the blacks, we would be like, but you you're more white than black. Do you know what I mean? It's like they they like they couldn't win either way. Then and identity was, was challenged just to play football. Exactly, right. and a lot of them would identify more as being white, you know, in inverted mm. commas. So they would play with us, but they, do you know what I mean? But there was always a bit like there'd always be some people like, no, you can't play. Like you got to go play with like, and that's that was you know this is at like fourteen, you know, and, and you're thinking like, geez, like that is mad. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, and you know what you just said. You know what you just said really just kind of like summed up a lot, <laughs> just based <laughs> on the simple fact that you were able to have. Uh, what is that? I don't know. 50, 60 year, 60 year generational mm. like element of wealth <laughs> within your community, within your family slash your community. The same way this happens with a lot of Greek people, this happens mm-hmm. with a lot of Turkish mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that a lot of black people just don't have access to. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that when it was in, um, there was a video that's gone around, it was like, you know, kind of explaining very briefly um, systematic you know, wealth. And I'm even watching this show called Little Fires Everywhere on um, Amazon. And um, it's just, everything's just becoming more and more apparent to me. Like the fact that the, the how bad we have it mm-hmm. as black people get access to business loans as quickly as white people. We don't get access. We don't even have the ability to buy homes. Like I remember <laughs> I was at work and I was working as a journalist and one of my colleagues was talking about her flat. Now, journalism traditionally doesn't pay well at the very beginning of your career at all, mm. traditionally. Um, so I'd like to her, interesting, do you rent? No, I my, my dad bought it. Okay, cool. So your dad bought it. How many rooms do you have? Two. I've got one for the extra space. Where is this wow. house? Wimbledon. I'm like, okay, cool. Your brother is uh, works in the creative arts. You know, he's like studying in creative arts. He has his own flat that his dad bought for him. All of the children have their own flats and places. And this is not uncommon across a lot of these things. Whereas when I look at it and I look at a lot of black people who are in similar ages and similar professions, a lot of them haven't moved out. Mm. This, and what this says to me is that we do not have the economic power or the reserves mm. to be able to live independently or freely. And that's why when, and that's why we get, we can get suckered into so many different things such as, you know, some network marketing schemes and all these other stuff. And that's why the hustle is so mm. imperative for us because so we're always trying to borrow out of somewhere yeah. and not go back to it because we know what it's like to not have it. And that was very interesting. So when you said that about the restaurant, I was like, ah, uh, okay. And yeah. there's always, and I think that, and there's always something. Obviously, that's a class situation. Mm. Not everybody, not every white person has that because it's a class mm. thing, especially in the UK. But Did you know what though? The mad thing about that as well is like that was a fresh off the boat Italian setup, so they would have still been classed quite low, yeah, but yeah, not yeah. quite as low. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. So it's like it's because 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 Italian food contributes to the to the <laughs> yeah. British understanding of everything. Like there exactly. is 
Like exactly. there are so many, there's so many amazing Italian restaurants that I've yeah, seen. Like, yeah. family, because I always go to the, I like going to the family-run ones because mm. I know that I like hearing, I like hearing Italian. I like it, and I like actually hearing them pronounce like <laughs> the pasta in the way that it should be pronounced. Like I don't want to be out here like just trying to guess or something. Um, mm. And that's the thing. Like, and 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 that, and those and it's the family is the really just the family-run mm. stuff that then becomes something that they've created for themselves and, and mm. pushed forward. But obviously that is able to be had that is able to be had because of the access that, that they can have to exactly. finance things to be exactly. able to start. Um, access to wealth is such a huge mm. part of it, man. And like yeah, just just um, to um you just you, you just reminded me of something. So uh, I spoke about this yesterday as well, on well, or the day before. But in terms of what you're told to do, in terms of like being well moral, stay stay on the straight and narrow. Don't get into, especially as a black male in um, in London or in the UK. Like, don't don't like succumb to you know drugs or doing crime, all those kind of things that are available to 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 anyone really. Um, you know, start a business, do all these kind of things. Um, I literally done that. Paid like bullet point by bullet point and I'm like it has to work because I'm mm. doing doing this and I'm smart I've got good ideas and more often than, than not those ideas have turned out over time to be the right ideas and um, for example I started an internet um, uh, startup in 2005 and um, the whole thing was going to be the IMDB for music. So it categorizes all albums by credits. So you could go onto Michael Jackson Thriller, click into uh, Human Nature and then find out who produced it, who wrote it, click into their oh, name sick. and see every, everything else that they've done. And we built this and I had a distributed team. Um, it was me, my wife, my now wife, um, and uh, my friend from Finland, who's a, uh, an engineer and uh, who my mentor from, um, from America. And um, built it up to this point where it was a, a, a workable demo and things like that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a very much a person that as soon, when I want something, I'll just go and I'll learn everything I need to learn about it and go for it. And through what I saw, and I'm not going to say that I didn't make any mistakes, mm. but through what I saw as a first time founder, I did what was necessary to get some access to funding. So to the point where... I would send pitches across and because I suppose my name's anglicized, I would yeah. get in the door. Yep. Um, that was and it. The work, the work was fine. The, the, the idea was good. And it'd be like, I was speaking to like people that are now billionaires. Like I was having conversations with them, Skype calls, things like that. Um, bear in mind, they were just voice calls before. Right. Um, and I remember this particular one I had in Covent Garden with this venture capitalist. And was going through the idea. He loved he he said he loved the idea on email stuff like that. Went through just explained everything. Me and my wife was there, and um, so I've so the, the I said, well, what's special about this is I'm in you know I'm in music um, and I'm doing this this startup. I just really want to see this out in the world. And I remember him saying he kind of like um, snarked and said, huh, oh, suppose I suppose your music's not paying then, huh? And I was like, like, as in that was the, that's the, that was the intention behind me starting this business was that mm-hmm. my music wasn't, wasn't paying. Um, cause I, you know me, I'm a very, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm honest at the time, you know, I was working in Sainsbury's part time, writing down all of these ideas on tissue, 
tissue, like writing down business plans and ideas and drawing out website wireframes on, on tissue paper and just knowing that this would work. And then getting to the point where having meetings and I'm like, yes, it's going to happen. I'm going to have that moment where I'm going to be funded and then we can start this business. And then that opens up the conversation about financial freedom and independence and then having your own place and stuff like that. And yeah, so I was, I was that was what I was, meet, uh, that's what I was um, met with that. Yeah. Oh, well, your music must not be paying. It's almost like they just took the, the meeting just to take the piss. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, what, what happened from there is that it, I was just, just amounted into a massive amount of, of debt, which, uh, and getting into a debt spiral, which we are not even out of yet. Jeez. And this was in 2000, 2005, because it's, yeah. it's just spiraled and spiraled and spiraled. And the worst thing is I'm paying for that, but it's that I did the right thing. Do you know what I mean? It's not like I stole something mm. and I was then, pe- I was then made to, all right, you're going to be in 15 years worth of paying this off kind of thing. It's like, mm. no, I've just done something which I thought would be good in the world. And then guess what? It was because then five years later, genius.com um, comes out and becomes a worldwide phenomenon. And I'm like, literally, that's what we were building. Yeah. That's what we were building. Mad. And, um, that hurts. That hurts because again, like just going back, just going back to what you were saying, Reed's earlier, because you see who the founders are, and I've met them both, and they're both like uh, great people. But in terms of just um, like optics, like I'm a black entrepreneur, creator, and then I see the same, literally the same thing happen, but it's now successful from um, from uh, like a white uh, white founders in America, and. Um, it's just enough it's just again that's just one one facet of an example that i have like happened in music oh my god i could go on for hours yeah, but yeah. anyway <laughs> with that it's um that's a time for offline with a drink hey yes. listen <laughs> so much but the the point is is that um this is a this is a common narrative and we know that we were born into this war it's like being being born into uh i don't know a state that's in war and Mm-mm you got no choice. You, you have to engage and you have to engage for survival. And you know what you were saying, Manzi, um, what's, been, what's been hitting you emotionally is that you, you understand what that battle is. Um, mm. But what's also sad about that is that um, when this does inevitably kind of die down in terms of how much attention it's getting, you know that your life, you can kind of, not like you would, but you have the choice to step out of that battle. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, we're on the front line, regardless. Yeah. We're on the front line, regardless. Trust me. On that note there then, what what can be done to start working towards that change? And maybe, the, I don't know whether we want to give like two things each that, you know, we can tell people to go just two okay no i know i mean i'm trying to keep it short right because there's, no, there's an endless list um yeah. but like i don't know how you want to do it but i know reed you'll probably want to talk about some of the books that people can read and whatever but you know yeah um, what are some would, of those things we can suggest i would say first and foremost is go and engage with black content and content creators and actually go and look up what they're doing um don't just sit there and be like, oh, this person sounds okay. And then just kind of let's leave it like that. Go and engage. Like, this is what I put up on my post today. I was like, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming here. Welcome. Like, this is what I do. This is what I like. This is what I tolerate. Mm. This is what I don't tolerate. And this is what I'm going to do. But engage with it. Because mm. ultimately, when people are asking 
when people are asking people to engage with their posts and engage with their content, engage with their stuff, especially with black people, when brands are only ever coming to them and it's Black History Month, Black History Month is a busy month for a lot of black people, right? They are just all of a sudden, it's, oh my God, can you write this piece? Oh my God, can you write this piece? Even now, every black, all, all, my, all black journalists who have been quiet, the freelance ones, sorry, who've been quiet, have not really had much work going on. Um, all of the, when the coronavirus hit, a lot of the black people who were working, um, who were speakers, all of them, when all of that happened, work stopped, slowed down. There was nothing there. Even for me, it slowed down. It completely stopped. And I mean, it stopped for a lot of people, but obviously mm. when I'm looking at black people, it stopped there. Um, so, and when it comes to now, racism is like literally at the top of the tip of everybody's tongue now. They're reaching out back to these diverse people because they're like, oh, can you come and do a talk on, can you speak about this? Can I pick your brain on, can I, all of this stuff. Mm. Engage with the people's content before all of this happens. Throughout the time, we are mm. we speak as well. It's, I like, for example, I don't only speak about race. I speak in a particular way about particular things. So you know, what I mean, Ryan speaks about particular things in a particular way. Like it's not just something that we do. So the, uh, the one of the things, the actionable takeaways, is to go to black people's content and actively engage in their content, share their stuff, like their posts comment on it, be a part of their community, because they're not only like, you know what I mean? Like, obviously if it's specific content they're sharing, then it's giving specific content for particular things. That's what they are. If you feel like you're a part of that audience, engage with what is being said, because that's the only way that we can really, really find change, especially around around content creation spaces. Um, the second thing is to, yeah, with the reading lists, I mean, this feeds into the, the, the engagement with the content, but um, mm. I, I'm not here to teach people explicitly. I'm here to create a portal for people to venture down. <laughs> and if they want to go down, they can. The option is always there, but I provided the information that is available. So when you know, and the, and I think Amanda Seals did an amazing video on this on her Instagram TV. And um, she's like, you know, white people are coming to the black people, asking them what they can do, what they, what resources they need to, to learn, what all of this stuff can happen. And it's not black people's choice. It's not black people's responsibility to teach mm -hmm. you because ultimately we're all suffering from racism. That's it. But at the same time, when black people have to learn black history, they have to go and, out and, and try to find the resources themselves to learn and teach themselves the history. Now, if you want to learn about how to be an anti-racist, Google how to be an anti-racist. There is literally a book called this. Like, you know what I mean? So go and Google on the, the internets and go and find the information you need. And that is the thing. And I, I just say, just take personal responsibility for mm. it. Taking personal responsibility for the fact that of like any experiences that you've had or you've partaken in, listening to your friends, having a conversation like this, taking responsibility for it. Mm. That is it. Because what, as I said earlier, all people, all we want is parity and equity. If yeah. it was revenge, yeah. there would it would be a, it'd be a take. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if there was revenge and getting what you're owed as well, that's that's another thing. That's, uh, me. that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. Mate. Everybody running down um, the street in do-rags and bonnets trying to, <laughs> trying to get the money. Um, <laughs> ah, that was so funny. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, what I would say is um, 
mine's to do with keeping your eyes and ears open. So mm. keep your eyes open because um, we need to see what the default is and why that is the default. Um, you know, I've been, you know, even just now, just watched a, um, something completely, because like, this has been so much um, content that's too real for, for our eyes at the moment. So me and my wife watched um, a thing about a spelling bee, a documentary about a spelling bee. And um, what was interesting, it was um, framed around um, Indian Americans mm. and dominating spelling bees. Um, and they were talking about very, very similar experience, um, you know, being immigrants and the such. But what I want to pick up is on is the language in terms of Indian American, African American. But the default is American. Mm. Why? Why? Why isn't that not European American? And whose land was so, it first? Exactly, Indi- uh, Indian Americans. Yeah, well, it's, no, a, land of, of it's a land of immigrants. Literally. It's a land, land of, of immigrants. exactly exactly right. Anyway. But the, but the default, like we know, the default um, for for them is like Americans, and then you're African American or Indian American or whatever. Now and uh, just like we're seeing everywhere else, like the default is is white. You turn on the TV, TV. The default is white, and you 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 then see you know who the hero is, you know who the villain is, you know who the love interest is. It's not that you know who the you know the cab driver is or the IT technician or anything like that, because th- these are roles that usually go to like um, Indian people or the thug is is, uh, is someone black with a hoodie on and whatever. Yeah. Like <clears throat> we need to change what that default is so we can start engaging with everyone as their characters. Like there's good and there's good and bad people in it. So that's the first thing. Look at what the default is keep your eyes open and understand wherever we are whatever facet of life you you operate in let's work on changing that default so it represents what the world actually is mm. and that goes from you know from um from race relations to um uh you know gender and uh and sexual preference and, and everything like that like let's let's make a new normal like we've been talking about this new normal in with regards to a pandemic but nah we need a new normal period so that's Mm. the first thing Mm. the second thing is keeping your ears open um and engaging in tough conversations so when you hear something you don't agree with and you know you don't agree with at that moment you've got to have the courage to step up and not agree with it out loud um, and wait, 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 let me pause. Maybe not even at that moment. Sometimes it's not at that moment. Sometimes mm. you might, Pulling it that might person be better. Aside after. Exactly. Yeah. Because <clears throat> it, that moment might be with 50 other people. And if you um, make that person feel embarrassed, it could get worse um, and they could get really defensive. But if it's a one-on-one thing, you know, the conversation might be different. So just obviously ga- <laughs> gauge um, what, what the, the outcome would be. Read the, read the room. The read the room hashtag read the room definitely that's the vibe but yeah keep your ears open if someone says something when you're at dinner with family like older relatives and stuff um let your voice be heard like that's your that is your it's now an opportunity to educate um and this is what we've got to do um so keep keep your eyes and, and ears open um there would be my two things and your well the third thing is keep and, and use your mouth yeah. Keep your eyes and ears open and use your mouth. Use your <laughs> senses. Mm. Um, your whole head sense. <laughs> your whole head. Um, and then it's like, that's what I'm saying. Like white people just really just pull up, pull up your granddad who mm. is moving mad in the street, like talking to people in any kind of way. You know what I mean? Mm. Pull up your auntie. Pull up your cousin. 
Exactly. But it reads, even 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 we have to do that too. No, but we do the thing is right, this is the thing, man. Power works in a, in a very specific way. If I see somebody undergoing or being like attacked because of their race or whatever, obviously black people understand what it's like to be to be subject to such. So they are more likely to step in and say, yo, 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 we don't want to, we don't right, want any of that. Right. We don't want any of that. Putting themselves mm. in our way because we become, mm. we become the, it's part of the drama triangle, right? Mm. So it, but we, we see the, we see the victim, we see the persecutor and then, you know, people step into them, become the hero, but we end up within the drama and then that's how <laughs> a lot of these things happen. For example, yeah. a lot of the cases that we have seen with regards to like, you know, um, black deaths in the street of like, people have stepped in or have tried to diffuse the situation and then they've ended up being diffused you see what i mean yep. mm-hmm. so but if a white person walks past and hears somebody being racist to somebody that is more powerful mm-hmm. than going in and saying yo we don't want any of that we don't want any of that that is much more powerful because then a it black is. person can be like thank thank you this because is then somebody, it doesn't become somebody a... that you see can is doing you no know i mean so exactly what i'm saying is i'm saying is that we do that mm. it's now it's time for white people to actually stand up look around mm. your as you said open up your eyes but look around your your mm. workplace mm. if the person next to you is not is looks like you and the person right to you looks like you and the person across the whole office looks like you and you and you have to go and search for someone that looks different use your senses yeah use your senses trust me yeah i did mean i did mean more in um that's absolutely right but i did mean more in terms of when um within the uh like the caribbean the caribbean perspective when there's things that we hear with regards to other um backgrounds that we need to speak up Mm. within our own community as Mm. as well because this is ultimately it's the same mindset that's being applied um okay i I hear that but i always look at it mm. as as a as a as a slight do you see what i mean so, for example, if I, if they are, what I've found is that when certain conversations are had, it's usually because of treatment towards mm. us. It's never, mm. it's never. Oh, I just don't like it. So I said for the, it's it's usually down to a treatment or an experience mm. that somebody mm. has had. Yeah, somebody has done something in the street to them. Somebody right. has somebody has seen something to them. Mm. I've had. Listen, I went to. I've got a corner shop at the bottom of my road. And um, like my cousin went in there to buy stuff, and she was just browsing, literally, just like you know, as school kids do, at like fourteen, fifteen, whatever. And then we turn around, type, and come out the shop. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, you, mm. you know, oh, this person was saying this, da, 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 da. and then right, if that right. is a common story all the time. Yeah, that is something that happens. So that's why mm. when I look at it, it's like when people are complaining in that sense. It's because of a particular instance, somebody has said something, somebody has done something mm-hmm. to make you feel like you are inadequate, insufficient mm-hmm. enough to do mm-hmm. it. So yeah. yes, pull them up and say, you know, yeah, if, if it's out of order, then yeah, pull them right. up. Mm-hmm. But also I know that it comes for, usually comes from places which from are completely place, yeah. odd, you know what I mean? Hurt yeah, people, right. hurt people, right? Exactly. Absolutely. On top of that, I think what I would add as a white person is ask yourself the tough questions. Ask yourself, why is it, easier to not have that conversation why is it easier to not step in and pull someone up on that thing ask yourself why is it that you may act differently towards someone is it because 
you feel like they come from a different class, a different family background, single parent household, uh, because the color of their skin, you know, because of a idea that you've had embedded in you through society that makes you act differently around that person. Ask yourself, you know, why is it that, you know, and again, this is a much bigger debate, but like, why is it the prison system in the UK and America is predominantly filled with black people versus white people? Is that because there's more black people making crime or is that because there's more black people being picked on by police? If it's either or, what is wrong with that? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. ask yourself those questions and be truthful with yourself. Don't front, don't um, run away from them. Don't give yourself the excuse and easy answer. You know, it's before we, we jumped on here, I was having a very, very triggering WhatsApp conversation with a friend about this. Mm have those like force those conversations force those have that you know face up to people like you said call people out even if it's in a whatsapp group and someone's made a half ass jokey comment which slightly might be you know something to do with race call the pull them up on it being like bro we don't do that here like there's not a thin line between banter and racism man exactly and it's like you know and if they say oh no but i'm not being racist but explain why that is a racist statement that they have made you're not Mm. pointing at them and calling a devout racist who wants to burn all non-white people to the ground you're just saying that that is a racist remark that we don't want here Mm. and if they move mad of you make a very make a very clear decision of whether you want them to still be your friend or not exactly so exactly that's the stake be brave and And ultimately i think be brave yeah be brave and put put your neck on the line because ultimately ask yourself that question is my life easier because of the way i look is that person's life harder because of the way they look and is that right yep Yep. that's it definitely yeah and then try to understand try try to understand have have the conversations with your non-white friends and this isn't just black people this is asians this is people from the Middle East, this is, you know, this is a wide, anyone who doesn't look like you, who doesn't come from your background, they could be Greek, Italian, you know, Jamaican, J- Japanese, Russian, whatever, have a conversation to understand them and what it is that mm. they have to go through and deal with based on their heritage, where they're from, yeah. how they look. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to give you my reading list to put in your we'll show link notes. It, yeah we'll link so, it yeah. up in all so, of our show notes yeah yeah, man. yeah so, for sure so go on go on with that <laughs> Definitely. well boys look thank you so much for sharing this space with me as yeah. always and for, hey, mate. for always, bringing everything always, to man. the this table is... um, I'm putting my do-rag on now it's that time of the night <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this, um, like I said to you boys in private but this is um, one of the, the best things that we've done like to, to yeah. create this safe space between us all um, to have these conversations where it, you know, it doesn't feel like we're on a panel or anything like the stakes are. We're just friends that are um, connecting and sharing our experiences. Um, we just happen to have platforms <laughs> where we can amplify those yeah. those experiences. So exactly. I really appreciate it, and um, you know, I appreciate both of you for the for the work that you're doing and for how difficult it's been in in various ways for all of us in the last Likewise. couple of weeks, man. So um, Likewise, bro. yeah. Thank you. Love you all, man. Love you. Love you both, man. And where where can people find you both online as well? 
I'm all over the internet. I'm all over the Googles. <laughs> Google me. Alex Reed is there. Top one. Yeah. <laughs> Alexreed.co.uk, please. Yeah, your your SEO is on point, to be fair. I, 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 um, you know what? I spent months. <laughs> months. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm not good at tech. <laughs> like, I just don't know what I'm doing. Smash yeah, um, Alex Reed's everywhere. And um, yeah, just go with that. And uh, mine's uh, Ryan Nile. So I'm most active on Instagram. It's ryan.nile.show. Um, if you want to engage in more topics like this, um, I host a daily um, daily show, basically, on Instagram from 8 p.m. Um, Monday to Friday. So make sure you jump on there. Check him out. Um, yeah, that's the best yeah. place. But also the podcast on, as well. He comes on to comedians, lives, yeah. and when he's going yeah. to Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's about talk that. about that one day. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Um, that was and yet, I can be found, Alex Manzi, Google me. No, that's, I'm joking about that. Uh, I am Alex Manzi on every platform. Facebook. Don't use Facebook, so don't go there. Go to Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. Go to Twitter. Sometimes tweet. Instagram's where I'm at. Um, and obviously, Absolutely. in the moment, podcast with me, Alex Manzi. In the moment, Ryan Nile show and time to talk with Alex Reeds. Exactamundo. Yeah. Boy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Peace. Love. Love. Peace and love. Speak <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to right. you guys soon. Love. Remember, you can watch the full episode on youtubecom Ryan now. Please subscribe and comment. Most importantly, please share. I'd love to hear from you. We're all at home, or we should be. And I want to know how to make the show better for you, how to reach you all, what day you prefer the shows to come out, how best to serve you guys. So let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Email me, ryan.nile at me.com.